Hello, and welcome to College Planning Simplified. I'm your host, Arielle Villanueva from Advantage College Planning. More than ever, people are looking for guidance to navigate through the college admissions process. On this show, I sit down with admissions reps and consultants to discuss the ideas, the opportunities, and the strategies to take advantage of so you can simplify college planning. In this episode of College Planning Simplified, I am joined by Maggie Murphy from the University of Tampa. Maggie serves as the Assistant Director of Admissions and is also a Regional Representative for North Carolina and South Carolina. Thanks for joining us today, Maggie. Thank you for having me, Ariel. I really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. Yeah, I'm excited. We were just talking before um, about this being a busy time in the office, but also being super exciting. And I'm looking forward for our listeners to hear information about the University of Tampa. When I'm talking with families, they're always mentioning, oh, Tampa, it's so beautiful. You know, the riverfront, the Tampa Mm -hmm. Bay area. Um, But I want to get a little deeper into the things that make the school unique, as well as the admissions process. So my first question for you, Maggie, is I love that the University of Tampa share, we share a common value in this, but there's this like work hard, play hard energy. Um, Can you share how that mentally prepares students inside as well as outside of the classroom? Absolutely. Um, You're certainly correct that there is this ton of energy on campus. Um, Anyone who visits UT can feel that enthusiasm with our students, faculty, and the staff. And we're really proud of what we've created. Um, We're strong believers that you should love where you live and learn. Um, These young adults, they're coming to us from all, all over the country and world. And most people don't realize, but the University of Tampa draws students not only from all 50 states, but also 130 countries. So, of course, our main goal is to help them engage and grow academically and prepare them for careers. But we don't want to stop there, Ariel. You know, UT is not a place where students go to class and then disappear. Um, Instead... They want and, quite frankly, expect a great variety of opportunities to be available based on, obviously, their wide range of interests. These kids have a huge variety of offerings at their fingertips. I mean, Tampa's amazing. So whether it's an extension of the classroom and is career-related through research or study abroad or internships, Or maybe they're catching a sporting event or visiting a museum or taking advantage of the natural resources, the weather, and recreational options. You know, students want experiences, and we pride ourselves on providing that and want them to embrace and dive into the learning and living here. Um, We want to see them discover their interests and develop their passions as people, not only students or future employees or employers. So we strongly believe that this approach is going to result in graduating productive individuals and they're ready for the workforce. And then they also become game changers in their community. Mm, I love the idea of game changers. That was It's a nice way to think about it when you're providing so much experiential learning and opportunities to not only engage with the community, but also kind of find your way and learn some of those soft and hard skills early on. um, I definitely believe it, it helps students feel more confident going into the professional world. So thank you for sharing that. Um, 
I'm thinking now too, like the admissions process at Tampa, there are regional counselors as well as admission staff. So can you speak to how the regional counselor evaluates an application, kind of looks at it, who is actually factoring in and considering the student's admissions um, decisions and what criteria is used in that process? Sure, absolutely. So I've had the privilege, and I I truly believe it is a privilege um, to be a regional rep because I think it's really amazing um, to be embedded in an area or a community and then be able to read those applicants from the surrounding schools. Um, So as you mentioned earlier, I do focus on the Carolinas. Um, I also recently added Wisconsin, um, which is the accent you're hearing. Yeah, that's that's my accent. Wisconsin is originally my home. Um, But it's really wonderful. Um, And I would encourage families to um, reach out and find out if there are regional reps wherever they're living um, for the schools that they're going to apply to. And the reason why is it's a great way to connect and learn more about the university and build that relationship, um, not only with who might be reviewing their application, but just with the school as a whole. Um, So in my experiences, and this is going to vary from school to school, but the the hope and the intent of a regional rep is that they are familiar with each and every school that they are reviewing the applications for. So typically, admissions departments are not comparing students um, to schools or to two students from other schools. So I'm located in the greater Charlotte area. Um, I'm not pinning students from one school against another. Instead, I read in the context of the school that a student attends. So it is my obligation and job to know what activities are available there, what the academics are, what the course levels, whether it's an IB school, you know, whatever the case may be, whether dual enrollment is there, um, because we want to make sure that we fully understand the educational setting that these students are in and how that translates to their academic um, overview or experience. And by having these regional reps, um, those individuals are able to do that not only know the curriculum in the school, but also build relationships with the college counselors that are at those schools and just keep that open dialogue and understanding of not only what we're looking for, but also what they're doing as institutions. Yeah. And thinking about how you're looking at a student as they relate within their school, we get a lot of questions, like you said, like, comparing students one to another. So the idea of looking at a student within their school and what's available to them, I've talked with a lot of families and there are some schools that are moving away sometimes from AP coursework. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you all would consider in the process? Like the school does not offer an AP curriculum. They are then not able to be, you know, compared to if they were able to have an AP curriculum? Sure. I I completely understand what you're saying. Um, I'm not exactly, to be very um, candid and honest, I don't know um, that we will move away from, you know, recognizing the APs or any of that. 
However, I think what families should focus on is just asking point blankly the schools that they're, you know, applying to or the student obviously is applying to is how do you view this? Do you look at the individual curriculum and what's available or do you only look to see if they have those higher level IB, AP dual enrollment courses? Does that make sense? Yes, it totally does. And I agree with you. I, it, it's it's so specific to each college because every school evaluates differently. There's different factors, different pieces of criteria. And it's just that reminder to kind of be, put the investigator hat on and, and see which schools are looking for what. Um, so that's really helpful. I, I, um, I've been a part of so many panel discussions where schools do such a great job, high schools do such a great job of having representatives from different types of schools, sizes, private, liberal arts, whatever the case may be. And the common theme is always, it depends. And so that's right. That's where families really have to put on the investigator um, hat and pin down what it is schools are looking for and what criteria are going to be utilized. Yeah. Another thing that a lot of parents will ask about, in addition to criteria, right, is affordability. They want to understand what the financial commitment to college is. So how are the students at University of Tampa considered for merit scholarships? Sure. So first and foremost, there is not a separate application process. I love this, not only um, professionally, but also as a parent. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, one less, it's, it's one less hoop to jump through. Um, once again, it depends on the school. So you've got to look um, at what is required and expected and dates and deadlines and that sort of thing. Um, but at Tampa, we do not have that separate application process. Everyone is considered for merit-based awards when their application is completed and goes through our review process. Um, It's very important that families and students are aware, though, of how each institution handles this based on the schools that they're applying to. Um, And like I mentioned before, every school or institution is going to have their own system for awarding merit scholarships, and you don't want to miss out on those opportunities. So make sure that, you know, if they're applying to, let's say, a large state school, they know if there's a certain application round that they have to apply to or during so that they're considered for that. Or if once they're admitted, if that opens up additional merit-based scholarship opportunities um, that they're aware of those. Um, For merit scholarships at Tampa, we're going to focus on the academic performance and talent, which includes unweighted GPA and rigor for coursework that's been completed at the time an application is submitted. Um, Every year I'll get a student or two will reach out and say, oh, I got my um, first semester grades from senior year, but they submitted their application in August and they already have their decision. We're not going to go back and recalculate that that, um, merit-based scholarship. The other thing that's really nice, though, for um, Tampa is when you're awarded those merit-based, they're automatically renewable for all four years. Oh, yeah. And the decisions seem to be coming out faster with scholarships, right? There used to be this like lead time where it's like you got your admissions decision and then you had to wait a little bit. But the idea that you can have that information and more of like a scholarship or financial aid package a lot sooner helps students make that decision too. 
You're right. I I think it's um it's a huge benefit for families to have a snapshot of what their package looks like. And depending upon, you know, the volume of applications that students, um, you know, that schools are reviewing, um, depends on when that's released. But we um, really make every attempt to release the merit scholarship along with um, that admittance. Mm -hmm. So diving a little deeper into application questions, one thing that we're seeing more just like trending over the past few years is supplemental essays becoming super popular. Um, a Tampa had one of my favorites last year, which uh, spoke to, you know, what is your favorite thing to do in February? Or what's a typical February look like for you? And um, I just feel like that was just a really fun question. Um when we think about supplemental essay prompts, do you have a recommendation that you would give to students? And just to for our listeners, the common application or an application that you choose has the one main essay, and then each school can choose if they want supplemental essays. So Tampa provided students with four prompts last year to kind of pick um, from. And um, I'm just curious, Maggie, do you have any recommendations that you would share to students when one, they're choosing the prompt or do they're writing the prompt? Sure, absolutely. So first and foremost, if you have the option, you know, some schools will have supplemental essays as an option or even another component of the application that's optional. If you're applying and taking the time and have the interest in a school, I'm a firm believer that you should take advantage of all the options that are available to you to put your best foot forward. And so look at it as an opportunity, not as, you know, oh, I have to fill this out or I have to do this. Look at it more as I get to do this to showcase. Right. And I think that is a huge huge part of it. Um, my two kids, one loves to write and couldn't wait to dive into the essay. The other one was like, ugh, I have to do this. <laughs> and so I think that mindset of looking at it as an opportunity and taking advantage of that opportunity, um, especially if it's optional, you know, you, you don't want to shortchange yourself um, in any part of your application, but especially if gosh, one of these schools is at the top of your list, or I'm a firm believer, if you're taking the time to apply, go all in and give it your all. Um, so as far as the essay prompts go, obviously be yourself. You know, the review committee really wants to hear your voice. And this can go for any type of essay, whether it's a um, supplemental essay or just, you know, general writing. Um, don't get caught up on writing something about that's never been written before if it's open-ended or what the title is. Um, there's so many individuals that I've helped with essay workshops where they get so hung up on, well, what, what am I going to title this? Or what if somebody's written about this before? That's That doesn't matter. Um, quite honestly, sometimes the absolute best essays are about common everyday occurrences. You know, one of my all-time favorites was about this young lady who taught herself how to ride a bike as a senior in high school because she wanted to participate in a treasured tradition her school has for graduates. And hearing how she did that and why she did it, I mean, did I learn 
that she, you know, taught herself how to ride a bike? Yes. But I learned so much more about her and her personality through her writing. Um, Another essay, this is probably one of my all-time favorites, was a student wrote about her commute to and from school every day and what she thought about and was reflecting on or sometimes worried about or not worried about um, and how that changed from ninth grade to 12th grade. And you felt her maturity as you read it and you felt her sort of dialing in and you know, um, sort of developing as a, as a person. So, um, that, that was really, really fun to read, but, you know, individuals, they've got to use it as an opportunity to share something about themselves that isn't obvious from the fill in the blank portions of the application. Um, and always make sure you're answering the question. If you are given, for instance, the February example that you gave, Make sure you're answering that, not going off on some tangent. And just obviously, as with all writing, stay focused on the content quality and pay attention to the grammar and mechanics. That was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I loved the examples that you gave too. Um, It's we were actually talking about this um, before we we started the podcast, but um, this reminder that like in the admissions process, the hope is that the student can share who they are in a short amount of time, right? There's, and not a lot of options, right? You pick a supplemental essay, for example, but you are able to feel something so much from those essays. Um, And that is the reminder that the person that is reading it too, wants to understand you and get to know the student and is generally interested in what you have to say. So this is just that reminder. I mean, Maggie said it perfectly, but um, for our students listening, like be yourself Mm -hmm. and be true to who you are. Answer the question, obviously, but it it could be a really fun opportunity to let the person in a little bit. And that does sometimes add a little bit of vulnerability at times, if that's the direction your essay is going, but, mm-hmm. but how, how cool to think about, um, all of the essays that you've probably read over the years and just, um, those two really stood out to you. So that's really, it nice. is. yeah, it is. It's in, in the one thing, Ariel, that I would add, um, I, as you mentioned, the vulnerability, um, yeah. You know, we're we're reviewing these applications and literally going through thousands and thousands. And yes, we do read the essays. Um, they're read at all the schools. What you don't want to do is, how do I phrase this? You you don't want to throw up any red flags. You don't want yeah. to um, become so personal that it's uncomfortable. And, and I I say that from a truly good place. Like you you have to remember that um, this is um, the purpose of this essay is to showcase yourself and to set yourself apart from other applicants and enhance the subjective portion of the application. Um, but it isn't a diary entry and, and, and students um, need need to keep that focus um, that it's a professional exchange. Yes. That is a, such a great ad, Maggie. Um, 100%. That's great. All right. So this is my last question. And it could be 
it could be a fun one if you want it to be. Um, it could, it could <laughs> but what, what was the most, or what is right? We're kind of, we're still in this a little bit. Um, what's been the most surprising thing during this application cycle for you? So for me, oh gosh, I, I have to be honest. Every year I continue to be blown away by the quality of applicants. Um, I, my husband and I tease, we're like, okay, we would never get into college today versus when I was applying, you know, in the nineties, um, because the quality of the applicants is just off the hook. Um, the, and, and it becomes more and more competitive every year. And I, I don't know if families fully realize, but schools are receiving record amounts of applications. I was just at a fair yesterday and everybody was like, you know, just their jaw on the ground talking about, oh my gosh, we're hitting record numbers. We've got more applications, this, that, and the everything. So that um, the quality and the quantity of applications um, continues to surprise me. Um, for me, with the application cycle, I have so missed the personal interaction the last few years um, that was interrupted by yeah. Um, you know, the pandemic and just uh, a variety of things. And so it's been so nice to see more and more people in person, be able to, you know, sit across the table from them and, you know, see their excitement and sometimes anxiety and be able to just sit down and have real conversations and chat with them and be like, listen, you're going to college. If you want to go to college and that's on your, you know, that's on your list of what you're going to do. Take a deep breath and, you know, dive into the process, trust the process, but don't busy your mind with, oh no, I'm not going to get in anywhere. I mean, you, you're going to go to school if you want to go to school um, beyond high school. And so, you know, with those conversations, just having that genuine renewal of energy that I'm feeling with families and um, their students. It's really fun. But I'll tell you what, the talent and quality, quality, excuse me, quality these applicants are bringing to the table is making my job and all the other admissions workers harder and harder each year. I I agree. I sit down sometimes with my students in high school. I mean, I'm working with students sometimes as early as eighth grade. And I'm like, you're doing this already? Like, oh, no. So, some of the things that um, not only are they like academically just like rocking it in school, but mm -hmm. on top of it, they're just investing their time in so many unique and cool experiences. And then the way that they're able to share it and talk about it. I'm like, well, yeah, the admissions office can obviously see that you are so passionate about this thing. They just kind of, you're right. Like when you see them in person, they just like light up and are able to talk about different things. So that's cool that you brought that up too. It really is. I, um, you know, I, I sometimes um, shudder a little bit when I hear about, you know, eighth graders going to college fairs or, uh, you know, if the focus is to realize and, um, you know, educate yourself on all of the opportunities and everything, I think that's great. You know, I always, when, when I've got families that 
are, you know, chomping at the bit and they really want to start looking at colleges and that sort of thing, and they're in eighth grade or even ninth grade, I really have them focus more on, you know, obviously what are their interests, but people need to realize the role that course selection plays. Yes. and how it develops over time. It's not a matter of just saying, I'm take, I'm going to take calculus or I'm going to take, you know, AP Chem. There are prerequisites and things you have to do. So instead of focusing more on where am I going to go to college, they've really got to focus on how am I going to plan out and prep my course selection so that when it gets to the point that I am applying and looking at colleges, I can showcase the um, evolution of what coursework I've taken based on my interests and sort of exploring a variety of areas. Well, that was great too. And I didn't even ask about course selection, but just a fabulous point. Um, and, and definitely something that we work on heavily with our eighth and ninth graders is the planning idea academically, but also talking about goal setting and like social goals, wellness goals um, as well. So the idea that you mentioned course selection as an evolution, I really appreciate that because it is it's stepping stones um, and an opportunity to kind of plan out what you want to do, have fun in your classes, enjoy it, but also like what are your interests and where, where's your transcript taking you from the, from the application reader perspective, looking at the transcript, like what, what can they learn about you and see? Um, I'm thinking specifically about a student that is a junior right now that I'm working with who wants to study art. And she has taken her visual arts classes, one, two, three, and four. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that's really important to her. But uh, for other students, they might not be interested in art at all. Um, and it's just that reminder that you can lean in to figure out and explore and learn who you are in this process and what you're interested in too. So I um, appreciate you bringing up course selection. That was of really course. helpful. Of course. All of this information has been great because I've asked you specific questions, but then it's kind of led down a different um, avenue. And I appreciate that because it's opened up more examples for our listeners to be able to hear about from an admissions perspective, um, but also learn about the University of Tampa too. So Maggie, thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you, Ariel. I've, I've enjoyed being on. <laughs>